then Pilate asked him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you, as we do each week, to join us here this morning. And we trust that you are here in our midst. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. So this Sunday is the last Sunday before Advent. Next week, we start the the waiting process toward Christmas, the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is in liturgical churches, the last Sunday of the church year. We're going to start a new church year next week. But today, we're just before tipping off that point, and the church has decided to call this Sunday Christ the King Sunday. If you notice from our readings, from the prayers, there's a, there's a big emphasis on Christ being the king. It's as though the people who came up with the schedule of readings thought themselves, you know, we talk about Jesus Christ as so much other stuff, healer, teacher, leader, Messiah. We should set one Sunday apart to talk about him as king. And so they find all the readings in the Bible that talk about the king, and they write a prayer that has to do with the king, and they call this Christ the King Sunday. So we get the readings that we had this morning, the one from 2 Samuel, the oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of the man whom God exalted, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the favorite of the strong one of Israel, the spirit of the Lord speaks through me, his word is upon my tongue, the God of Israel has spoken, the rock of Israel has said to me, and here comes the description of the king, one who rules over people justly, ruling in the fear of God, he is like the light of the morning, like the sun rising on a cloudless morning, gleaming from the rain on the grassy land. And then this fascinating exchange that we read from the Gospel of John, where Jesus comes before Pilate, who says, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus says, do you ask this on your own, or has someone told you about me? And he says, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? And then Jesus talks about himself as the king. My kingdom is not from this world, he says. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate needs to know. He says, so you are a king? And it's here that Jesus has the opportunity to say, absolutely. You bet your bottom dollar I'm the king. I'm the one who rules over people justly. He might quote 2 Samuel. Ruling in the fear of God, I'm like the light of the morning. Like the sun rising on a cloudless morning, gleaming from the rain on a grassy land. But as we heard, that's not at all what Jesus does. Jesus tells Pilate, you say that I am a king. For this I was born. For this I came into the world 
to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. For this I was born. For this I came into the world to testify to the truth. So we have two very different visions of what Christ the King might be like. One is in heaven and involves dominion and glory and kingship. The, quote, strong one of Israel ruling with fairness. The rock of Israel, fear of God like the sun on a cloudless morning. You can almost see the ornate coronation, purple robes, scepters, crowns, encrusted with jewels, a church full of people all bowing down before the king. And yet we also have this other image. This image is on earth. In fact, it's very earthy. It's not in heaven. It's not really seemingly a king at all. It's a man in front of an authority being questioned. A man whose life is in danger. A man with a message. This is a much more earthly image, but both are Jesus. He is king with a crown and a man with a message. And this is the dichotomy of Jesus and why one of the reasons why he is such a fascinating figure. Because Jesus is at the same time both the eternal and magisterial heavenly king and the one who came to earth embodying a message about the forgiveness of sins. And so we can see the great duality of Jesus, the fact that of him, two things are true at once. He is the king, as we might think of a king, the rule maker, the law giver, the one to whom every knee should bow. But he is also the servant, the rule follower, the life giver, the one who, when the opportunity comes, when he's brought before Pilate a second time with the chance to save his own life, says nothing at all. And so we have this Jesus, of whom two things are true. Jesus wears that jeweled heavenly crown as almighty king, and he wears the crown of thorns as savior of the world. And that's great. And it's true. But it presents a problem. Because we, you and I, have trouble dealing with things that are two things at the same time. It doesn't really fit into our brains. It doesn't fit our conception of how things are supposed to go. It's like in uh, Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, when there's a room full of square chocolates that look round. How can that be? It blows the kids' minds. There can't be such a thing as square chocolates that look round, and there can't be someone like Jesus of whom these two things are true. He can't be both king and servant, can he? He can't be rule maker and rule follower. He can't be lawgiver and life giver, can he? And so, subconsciously, we choose one. And sometimes, we choose to forget about Christ the King. And this makes sense. We don't really like the idea of having a king. 
sort of takes away some of our freedom, doesn't it? I mean, remember Patrick Henry and William Wallace. They may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. Give me liberty or give me death. I mean, this is America. We had a whole war about getting out from under the rule of a king. So what about Jesus anyway? How did he become king? I didn't vote for him like that line in Monty Python, right? And if I did vote for a king, I would definitely check the box beside my name on the ballot. If anybody's going to be king, it's going to be me. The last thing I need is someone sitting on a throne laying down rules by which I have to live my life. And what terrible rules he lays down. Honor your father and mother. Don't lie. Love your enemies. Give away everything you have. So sometimes we try to forget about Christ the King. We have a very sly way of forgetting about him. The way we forget about Christ the King is by watering down his rules. We think to ourselves, surely Jesus wasn't serious when he made those rules. Maybe he just wants me to do my best. And of course, we think also that there must be exceptions to these rules. I'll honor my father and mother unless they start treating me poorly or become a burden in my life. I'll be honest unless I can convince myself that this is a lie that's a little white lie that won't really hurt anyone. I'll give away some of what I have, but certainly not everything. And I'll tell everyone that I'm loving my enemies, but meanwhile cultivate a seething hatred just below the surface. And then I can say, yeah, I've done my best. Uh, but as Sean Connery says in The Rock, your best Losers whine about their best. That's about the best Sean Connery I can do. I did my best. <laughs> but when we forget about Christ the King, we forget that our best isn't good enough. That Christ the King actually meant it when he said we must be perfect. As our Father in Heaven is perfect. Honor your father and mother all the time. Be honest. All the time. Love your enemies. Your actual enemies actually love them. Give away everything. With terrible rules like that, it's no wonder that Christ the King, the rule maker, quickly gets forgotten. But more often, I think, we forget that Christ is the Savior. Now, you'll probably think I'm crazy for saying that, but I think it's true. You'd think that we'd be more likely to forget about the rule maker than to forget about the Savior. Because the Savior is good news, and a ruling king, not so much. But the truth is, you and I, we really like a good set of rules. It allows us, we think, to see just how well we're doing, how obedient we are. It's why we make fun of schools that don't have grades. Oh, you went to that school that doesn't even have grades, right? We love getting ranked with the hope that we'll come out near the top. And so it turns out, as you examine your life, that you're more likely to be found comparing yourself to Jesus and what he says to do than you are to be basking in his saving love. 
we are more likely to be found comparing ourselves to Jesus than basking in his saving love. We are such doers, such accomplishers. We are set up to compare ourselves to others all the time. And Christ the King fits right into that desire, the ultimate comparison. But of course, upon comparison, we don't find how well we're doing, how high we're ranked. Instead, we find how short we're falling. And the truth becomes obvious. We can never live up to the standard of Christ king. And so, because of this double effect of Jesus, Christ the king and Christ the savior, we, in one small way, become just like him. We also are two things at the same time. The us that is the subject of Christ the king is found Wanting, found to be falling short. But the us who receives the gift of Christ the Savior is on his account proclaimed righteous and holy. So two things are true of us at the same time. We are, in the words of Martin Luther, at the same time righteous and a sinner. At the same time, we are under the rule of Christ the King and made righteous by Christ the Savior. This is the square things that look round family of the Lord that we welcome Theo into this morning. His life will never live up to the promises we've made on his behalf today. His King is too holy He will always be in need of a savior. But he has a God who is more than just a king. He has a God who has come down. A God who has condescended. A God who, in Christ, has given Theo the goodness which was required of him. He is a sinner. But... On account of Jesus Christ, he is righteous. This is the truth to which Jesus testifies. This is the truth that Pilate couldn't understand. The kind of king that Jesus was. Crowned king of heaven. Crown of thorns here on earth. It's true for Theo today, and it is true for each one of you. This is the good news, that the rescue of Christ the Savior always overcomes the judgment of Christ the King. Always. Like Daniel, last week in the lion's den, God the rescuer always wins the day, even over God the judge. Notice that in our two readings this morning, one from 2 Samuel, one from John, we have a very clear distinction between these two kinds of kings. Christ the King reigns in heaven. Christ the Savior came to earth. 
And so it is that for us who live here and are sinners, Christ the Savior means more than Christ the King. We worship Christ the King. We need Christ the Savior. It is Christ the Savior who has come to us in our inability to honor our parents, in our inability to be honest all the time, in our inability to love our enemies, in all of our inabilities. Christ the Savior has come. So let us then today, as we remember and honor Christ the King, give thanks that we also and finally, have Christ the Savior. Amen.